Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud, and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Hello there. So this week I have a really amazing conversation with a really fired up dietitian from Victoria. Her name is Alison Stewart and she's from nourishnotdiet.com. And she sent me an email which was absolutely seething with outrage and rant and the rant quality was so high that I knew that we had to do an interview and get the message out on this podcast. So what is firing Alison up is an issue that sort of hit the headlines a few weeks ago here in New South Wales in Australia, when suddenly people were talking about how in New South Wales schools, physical education programs compulsory physical education programs were going to be introduced in order to target, quote unquote, childhood obesity. So there was a lot of hysteria and outrage about the prospect of children in early high school, so years seven to nine, which is kind of ages 12 to 14 or 15, being weighed and having a lot of attention drawn to their weight and having exercise kind of forced down their throats. And there was a lot of outrage and a lot of discussion about it in social media. So when Alison contacted me, she had done a lot of research on the actual study that was done that was behind all of these headlines. And so she really wanted to kind of come on the show and talk about exactly what the study had found. And I guess sort of clear up a little bit just what was fact and what was fiction in this very emotive media shitstorm. So it's a fascinating chat. We cover a lot of different topics. And for anyone in New South Wales who heard this story, this one's really worth, I guess, getting the facts on, like separating fact from fantasy. And for all of us who are maybe not based in New South Wales, maybe in other parts of Australia or other parts of the world, this conversation is just as relevant because policies and studies and shit like this can roll out where we least expect it. And my gosh, what's really apparent here is that number one, the headlines never match the study. (laughs) And number two, the study conclusions never match the data when it's in diet culture. So we have to go beyond the headlines and we have to even go beyond the conclusions of the studies and dig deep into the data to reveal the objective truth of what these explorations are revealing. And we need to do that through not a weight-biased lens. We need to do this with a health-at-every-size, weight-inclusive lens because that's the only way we're going to move forward and not do further harm. Okay, so I really hope you enjoy this conversation and thank you very much, Alison, for getting this all started because it's a fascinating dive, as I said. So without further ado, here is me talking with Alison Stewart. Welcome, Alison. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're most welcome, Louise. I'm really excited to be here. And what is firing you up at the moment? 
So what is firing me up today is the recent coverage in the media of the use of scales in schools, you know, the headlines that have come from that. Yes, yes. There was a week or so of fairly torrid (laughs) headlines sort of talking about how in New South Wales schools there's gonna we're gonna start weighing kids, we're gonna start increasing physical activity because none of our kids are doing enough physical activity. No, they're not. So we need to control them and make sure we can measure and and increase it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, the headlines were quite sensational, but the report also we can have a look at that too if that's okay. Yeah, because like these headlines are based on actually a study that's been done called Physical Activity for Everyone, which is sort of a, a trial of increasing physical activity for kids in years seven, eight and nine. In they chose, I think, five schools that's right. that were socially disadvantaged schools to participate in this trial. Yeah. And they did have the five schools that were their control schools, obviously. So we had 10 schools all together in the study. And Mm -hmm. do you want me to talk a little bit about the study? Yeah, I want to hear your story of how you got from reading a headline (laughs) to, you know, really diving deep into the study and what it actually meant. Okay, well, I did wake up one morning and have a look at a Facebook page, which another dietitian had posted about the study on and was quite horrified. Mm-hmm. about the fact that we were going to be using scales in schools or the possibility. And mm-hmm. under her comment was, you know, there was like 10 or 15 or 20 comments that were just being added through the day. So it was a topic that was really hitting home to a lot of Hayes dietitians in our community. Yeah, and I just really wanted to know, okay, well, we've got these sensational headlines. What actually is going on? And what's going to happen with the scales in the school. So mm. I did sort of want to have a bit of a look at the actual study that they did and maybe some of the statistics that they've used to come up with their conclusions, I guess, on yeah. the efficacy of the study. Yeah. I just love to hear that. I love to hear that because one of the things I adore about non-diet dietitians and anti-diet health professionals is that they they are very critical in their thinking. And by critical, I don't mean like negative. I mean, if there is a headline, it is this kind of process that you now go through. Like, oh, I'm not just going to believe a headline. I'm actually going to figure out what it's based on and do a bit of digging underneath the headlines to find the facts. And I just love that because so often we get more empowered from that process. Oh, yeah, we certainly know the media like to make a big story out of something. So you've really got to do your digging, don't you? Absolutely. And I mean, it is a horrifying prospect, you know, as a, I'm a mum of two kids and uh, yeah, and just to think of my poor, especially my eldest girl who is in a larger body going to school and being weighed in front of her classmates, I would just, I, I felt like, you know, I'm going to set fire to something if that would happen. And I think that's the first thing that comes to your mind, isn't it? Your protective instincts of your kids and what this might do. Yeah, absolutely. Like just protecting an adolescent's self-esteem in diet culture is like that's so important. Paramount. Yeah, definitely. If you just read the headlines, it's like, you know, kids are going to be 
publicly weighed in front of their classmates oh, and I know I know yeah. just have that set of scales sitting over there in the corner and just as a gentle reminder every day that oh. we need to watch our weight you know our bodies aren't good enough the way they are yeah 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 terrific just <laughs> get yeah. a bit more body policing a bit more early on and in a bit more of you know school-based way it's it's yes. a, Oh, horrible. It's good enough just to have the scales at home. We've got to have them at school as well. Oh, we have no scales at home. But, um, yes, yeah, yeah, let's just bring it in as much as we can everywhere. Yeah, yeah, just okay. that constant weight. Talk about weight. Talk about size. Talk about yeah. it's just horrendous. Yeah, and I read that Facebook feed as well and it brought up a lot of stuff for a lot of people and lots of issues, like lots of people saying, well, you know, my kid in science class has been told, you know, for a week to track all of their food that they're eating and count their calories as like a science experiment. So this focus on weight and sort of diet behaviour it is there in schools. Yep. And we know that, that sort of thing is enough just to trigger someone who could potentially go down the eating disorders track or certainly have a really disordered relationship to food in their body just from those little things that come up in school. Yeah, and they seem so normalised if you're not looking at it through the non-diet lens. It seems so okay. To- oh, it does. I'm just going to find out about, you know, how, what my calorie load is, you know, or I'm just going to find out what I weigh, what my BMI is as an interesting kind of science experiment because the dangers of diet culture are so under the radar for most people. Yeah, it's just not recognised, is it? No, it's seen as a good thing. Seems a good thing in taking care of your health and but all these all these stories. And I think you become very aware of it if you're the parent of a kid in a larger body of just how unhelpful this kind of focus really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what did you find when you actually dug through this enormous two hundred page study? (laughs) Well, set of studies really. Yeah, there was quite a number of studies there. And I have to say that I probably have not done as in-depth an an analysis as someone like Fiona Willer would have done. (laughs) You know, studies and picking them apart. But we we bow to you, Fiona Willer. We do. We absolutely do. So, So I'll just get it out there that I'm not an accomplished study reader, but I have done enough to know what I'm looking at. That's okay, right? We don't all have to be Fiona Willer. We can. actually use that critical thinking and dig and dig and dig and what did you come up with? So in terms of the study design let's just talk a little bit about that maybe because it sounded like from the headlines that there were going to be scales put in schools so we actually don't know what's going to come from this study and what will actually happen in schools do we so we don't have any idea but so we can really just only talk about what the study actually found yeah because we literally have no information about what the results of this study will mean in terms of a rollout to New South Wales schools there's no information but we do have what the study actually did exactly so we found that with the study the scales were only going to be used in the schools three times and that's at baseline at the 12-month period and the 24-month period. So a research was going to be going into the schools and taking those measurements mm-hmm. and also doing heights and things so you get the BMI. So yeah. it's only a three-measurement time frame. It's not as though they're going to be constantly 
mm. in the schools taking weights. Yeah, so they're not weighed in PE class or anything no, like that. No, no. So it's three mm. times over a two-year period. But we don't know. Like, well, I couldn't find any information on how that was done. Like, so we still don't know if the kids were weighed in front of each other or... No, I do think it said they were taken to a discrete area where <laughs> one of the researchers was doing the weights and the... Okay. Yeah, so I think it was going to be quite discreet. But when kids come out of that sort of thing, they talk, don't oh, they? Well, yeah, of they course. They want to know everything. They want to know, oh, what was your weight and how tall are you and what was your BMI? And it's yeah. quite okay if it's a kid who's really quite sporty and, you know, has a good body image. But for those others, it's devastating. It can be devastating listening to that talk. I know. And just, just the fact, I mean, like you're saying, it's only three points that they took the weight, but they took people's kids' weight at three points. And that was during a study on physical activity levels. So kids are getting this message that moving your body has something to do with your weight. That's right. That's actually one of the things that really did fire me up is that this is a study on trying to ensure that kids maintain levels of physical activity as they get older. So we know that evidence suggests that activity levels in adolescence generally track into adulthood. So we want them to continue to be active. So this study is trying to promote that continuation of activity. It's got nothing to do with weight, nothing at all. Well, you say that from your non-diet lens and I 100% wholeheartedly agree with you that developing a positive relationship with physical activity and movement has just fuck all to do with weight. Absolutely. But in this study, like the primary outcome for this study was how much physical activity kids were doing over time. And then the secondary outcome was what was happening with their weight. So that's for me where this study just falls down completely, sort of buggers up anything useful because... This whole study could have been done without any BMI measurements being taken, without tracking any of that. Just throw out that secondary outcome and just focus on what your intervention did to people's relationship with movement and how much movement they were getting. But, of course, this is a diet culture-based study, so... Yeah, and Louise, they obviously couldn't do sort of other measures that might be more useful. You know, this study is about continuing activity and exercise because we know the positive benefits that having joyful movement has in terms of reducing chronic disease and that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve is to reduce chronic disease yeah keeping kids active as they get older so weight has nothing to do with that yeah we know that (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah even in very big people if you are able to be physically active then your risk factors pretty much are the same as a thin person. That's right. Yeah. But, you know, we're not told that. Just yeah. wish that the world would hear that message because oh, it's over so, and over again. so clear in the research that that's a thing. It's a thing. So if we want to reduce that chronic disease risk, what about it would be so much more useful, not that it would ever happen, but let's check the things that actually indicate that risk of chronic disease. What about blood sugars? What about blood pressure? What about, you know, cholesterol levels? Weight is just such an easy measurement to take. And could you imagine, you know, having kids have their blood sugar taken and, you know, even just with a finger prick, the the girls would be 
just hysterical, wouldn't they? And yeah. you can't have that. You can't have that in school. So let's just do a quick weight measurement and be done with it, you know? Absolutely. And I also think at that age, the idea that any of the kids would have any kind of raised cholesterol or blood, they're not adults. They're generally going to be extremely healthy with those kinds of measures anyway. So a better study design would be to do this intervention and then check all of those kinds of things like blood pressure and cholesterol and stuff years down the line when they're adults. But of course, no study can fund for that long. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So you're right. They just use this convenient measure, which is they see it as a proxy for health, but it's not. No, it is not. We know that, don't we? But not everyone else does. Yeah. So getting back to the results of the study. So they did find that the activity levels of the kids in the intervention groups did improve over the 12-month period and the 24-month period. Mm -hmm. But get this, for the weights at the 12-month mark now, is it okay to give numbers? Yeah, I think it's okay. We'll we'll let everyone know in the beginning. Yeah. 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 So at the 12-month mark overall for these teens, the weight loss, get this, 0.9 of a kilogram. Mm, mm. 0.9, okay. And at the 24-month mark, it was 0.78 kilogram. So less than one kilogram Mm. difference over the time. And that was with the entire sample. Yeah. And what are, like, for me, I just feel like we've opened a can of worms because this whole idea of weight loss with adolescence is, it feels so wrong. It just feels so wrong. These kids are growing. Imagine, so the kids were from year seven to year nine. So we're talking like, you know, 12-year-olds to 14, 15-year-olds, how much growth goes on during that time. And at all different rates as well for them. So I just think any measure of weight at this age bracket is, I mean, I think at any age it's meaningless, but I think particularly at this age it's meaningless. But to see research as a whole group of researchers, you know, proudly trumpet weight loss in teens as an awesome thing when 75% of the sample were not even in the BMI categories overweight or obese. Oh, that's, that's the other thing, isn't it, Louise? That, oh, you know, they're oh. starting BMIs. They didn't even talk about that in the paper that goes out to mm. the schools and things. But, yeah, I thought that was amazing that this study, seventy overall about 75% of kids in the schools were in the underweight or the healthy weight range. Mm-hmm. About twenty five percent were in that overweight, obese category. I'm giving those little what are they yeah. bunnies? We're, we're doing air quotes here. We, we don't are. agree with anything we're saying, but we're just using the language. Yeah. But can I just say the conclusion? One of the conclusions of this study, based on those measurements, this is just blows my mind. Says the conclusion is it's effective in reducing the decline in physical activity amongst adolescents, and in addition this is the bit I love, had a significant positive effect on adiposity and BMI. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Really? So we're already starting with kids who are completely normal (laughs) in terms of BMIs, and the study had a really positive effect on their adiposity. No, it didn't. Like, it bloody well didn't. So digging deeper, you know, even that shitty, tiny... 0.9 
weight loss, which is a horrendous idea anyway. Exactly. But, and that's the entire sample. When you actually look a little, dig a little more about what actually they found in weight differences in groups, right? So I'll read it directly from the study. There were, so when we look at just females, because this whole intervention worked better for the boys than the girls. Yeah. When we look at the girl group, they say there were no significant effects on weight, BMI or BMI Z score at two years for females, right? Yeah. They also say when we looked at those larger kids, so the ones in the overweight or obese range, there was no significant impacts for weight. So there was no difference there whatsoever. So how on earth is that a significant positive impact oh, on adiposity? I don't um, understand that. I don't understand. So obviously the positive impact that they're talking about, which is slight, is coming pretty much from the boys. Yep. And like I'm really concerned about, you know, what this kind of stuff means, what these interventions mean for larger kids. And also, you know, as a mother maybe of two females, <laughs> very yeah. concerned about what this will do to girls. Yes. And my toes are curling up because that conclusion is so shit. When oh, I can't believe that conclusion. I just don't understand it. It's, uh, yeah, I don't get it. I'm just, I'm dumbfound yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. The conclusions do not match the data. They do not. Yeah. And the conclusions then get sent out in the information packages to the schools and without the data without the data accompanying them so the Mm -hmm. school the teachers the PE teachers the school administrators are being given this slick looking package that says this is a two-year and we've got this two-year outcome study that shows its significant positive impact on reducing kids weights right it's bullshit absolutely yep oh that feels good to get that out Good. I'm glad you got it out. I was waiting for the bullshit to come out. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah. So you can even go even deeper into how much even those, because I think the differences in physical activity that they found, I think they found maybe three minutes a day more activity at one year and seven minutes a day more activity at two years. And they're like, this is awesome. Yeah, but the difference with the 24 months, it was like the intervention group was doing 7.02 minutes a day extra activity. Yeah. But if you look a little bit deeper, just with the results of the physical activity, yes, the difference between the intervention group and the control group was 7.02 minutes. Yeah. The intervention group was only an extra 4.4 minutes from starting point because the control group actually decreased their activity by 2.6 minutes a day. Right. Oh, wow, that's clever. So there's an extra seven minutes, yes, for the intervention group, but really they're only doing an extra 4.4 minutes because the other group were different. They'd gone down. Okay. So there's a nice bit of statistical massaging right there. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, you just got to dig a little deeper, don't you, and look at at really what they're saying and what's you happening. You do. And when you look at how they collected the data, like how they actually gathered who was moving more, they use something called an accelerometer, yes. which is like a little machine that's attached to the kids, right? Yeah. So, and what they want, so they obviously couldn't attach that machine to them every day for two years. No. So it's interesting because in the proposal paper, they're saying we'll attach it and we'll get seven days of data for each, for a sample of, a random sample of these kids. 
during the intervention to get this data. And then when it's actually done, so the later studies talk about, well, we got three days worth of data. (laughs) So something happened there. Even then with the accelerometer data, three days of data that they collected, at 12 months only 61% of the sample provided data and 24 months only 45% of the sample provided data. Do we know if they were boys or girls? We have no idea what's going on. So what we do know is that, yes, we have what looks like more physical activity in kids at two years, but it's based on a whole lot of kids who just stopped telling Mm. what they were doing. And so what we have is a skewed sample. We have people who are reporting, probably the people who are liking it, and excelling at this kind of stuff. Oh, they're going to do all the measuring in the world, aren't they? Yeah, and provide the data. So this is such a problem in weight science research that dropouts and missing data are not talked about enough. But what really bothered me in one of the papers, they said baseline weight was predictive of dropouts at 12 months. So the higher weight kids were much more likely to drop out of the study in that first year than the other kinds of kids. So what does that tell you? Well, it's telling us that we're not giving the right interventions, isn't it? If we can't keep 100% of the kids having fun and wanting to participate, then what are we doing? Yeah. If the very kids that they're supposedly trying to target are the ones not wanting to do it, shouldn't someone go and, yeah, what's going on? Someone should go and ask those kids, right? But this is another aspect of this study that's like literally missing is any discussion with any of the kids about what this was like for them. Oh, I know, I know. But it's too hard to collect, isn't it, that sort of data? No, that wouldn't have been hard to collect because they have spent shitloads of money on this. They have a dedicated person going out to the school a couple of days a week who's there not to run any of the programs but just to sort of administer this stuff. So it would have been really easy for this person just to get a little sample of kids, particularly the ones in the higher rate weight yeah. ranges, and say, look, what's this been like for you? What's yeah. your relationship with exercise like? And has um, made any difference? Yeah. And has there been any problems with bullying? You know, has anyone said anything to you about your weight? It's all just absent. Or, and perhaps if they're not participating, why? You know, really ask those questions to find out the real reasons why. I know. We can't fix anything until the real underlying reasons come out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, what is it like to be a higher weight kid in a school where this is happening, where you're getting all of these messages that this is important to prevent your own body? Yeah. Your own body size is not okay as it is. And we need to continue to work on changing it. Yeah. That message. And you know what, this, even the name of this physical activity for everyone it's actually not true. <laughs> no, because it's not for everyone. Not everyone's participating and enjoying it, are they? No, something's going on. Yeah. And actually someone's relationship with exercise is obviously getting impacted in a negative way, but we're not interested to follow that up. We're only interested in puffing up our results to get more funding to get this out there. Yeah. And look at the stuff that they're doing. So the strategies, like what are they actually doing to increase the physical activity in school? So what they're doing is 
teaching PE teachers to increase the amount of time kids are doing moderate to vigorous physical activity, so getting them moving more in a PE class. And they're also doing pedometers. Mm. Let's collect information and data, shall we? More. Let's count steps. Sounds very diety to me, very diet paradigm. Yeah, yeah, counting steps. Yeah. Like pedometers like a pathway into disordered eating and disordered exercise relationships for so many people. And in, in adults, the research has not shown that using pedometers leads to a joyful and lasting relationship with right. exercise. Because you know what? It doesn't take into account how a person's feeling on the day in their body, does it? No, no. It doesn't measure any of that. Well, yeah. there's no mindfulness in any of these implementations. No, it's like, I've just got to get it done. That's right. There's prescription, exercise prescription. Right. Yeah. Get in, do your moderate to vigorous physical activity so you don't get fat and die. Yeah, let's yeah. collect the data on it too, just to prove that you are doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's just, it's so joyless oh, when, oh, you know, God, physical activity can be so much fun. so awesome and this is like taken the fun and joy and sucked it dry like a sultana (laughs) (laughs) I'm so over all of this sort of stuff but I have to say that I think this movement the Hayes community people just need to know about it it teaches people all of those really important things doesn't it that Mm. joyful movement is exactly that it's joyful movement it's not a prescriptive thing it's not Mm. no this and if your body you know you can use your body to judge what feels good for you I'd love I would love like to have a haze based joyful movement program operating at my oh, kids wow. school awesome like, wow. some yoga like, and some pilates and some running and gym for those who love it and make them feel good and just just, just a whole variety of stuff and the yeah. whole kind of class dedicated to mindful connection with your body, embodied movement and staying with yourself in a movement. Like how does this feel? Oh, that would be incredible and so empowering. And it would not include any kind of tracking, any kind of counting, and it doesn't have to. But we know that this is very much the diet paradigm versus the non-diet, don't yeah. we? It's, it's, it's so parallel. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of think that the haze stuff and the non-diet stuff means that we're like anti-exercise or anti-nourishing your body. And it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's about recognising what your body needs on the day, isn't it? And yeah. not pushing it if you're tired or mm-hmm. you're unwell and recognising when you do feel like going out mm-hmm. and going for a walk or having a dance in the living room or yeah, whatever it's- it is, jumping on the trampoline, yeah. you know, it's all of those things and they're fun. It should be like that. It shouldn't be prescriptive. Yeah, they teach this strategy. It's called in PE lessons, developing student physical activity plans where oh, yes. they, yeah, they have to do mm-hmm. setting goals, recording progress and doing fitness assessments. Hmm. And then they get rewarded if they win. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. They get rewarded if they win. Yeah, like if they reach their goal. Like I know where they're coming from. Yeah. But it's shit. (laughs) You don't need a reward for that. No, you don't need to plan or set goals when it comes to developing a relationship with moving your body joyfully. 
Oh, I love that. No, you don't need to set goals. No. No, no. It's, yeah, throw the planning out the window. So I would throw both of those out. You know, there are a couple of things in this program which are not terrible and that really if we just lose this whole focus on what it's going to do to kids' weight would be awesome in socially disadvantaged schools. So giving more supervised physical activity and more resources, so things like balls and skipping ropes to kids so they can play at recess and lunch. And so they'd have more teachers there to supervise the kids using those kinds of equipments. And imagine that sort of thing in connecting kids together as well. So much fun. Yeah, so much fun. So fully on board with that. But, yeah, I think there's another kind of scary one, promoting local community physical activity providers to the kids where, like, when we know that the fitness industry is full of scary people who promote go hard or go home who are weight-phobic and diet-focused. Well, there are so many ways, aren't there? Yeah, like, how are they going to screen for, like, who they're going to let into the schools? And more communities wouldn't probably have a huge choice either. No you know, smaller communities if this was brought into schools. Yeah. I mean, of course, again, if the fitness industry was predominantly haze providers, I'd, I'd be jumping up and down about it. Yep. But it's not, is it? We're a minority amongst the diet prison out there. We're yeah. such in a minority, but we have to get the message out, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it was encouraging that there was so much pushback against this idea Yeah, but there is a lot we can do. I mean, as we've said, we really don't know what happens from these studies. There's no clear plan about if this is going to be rolled out into New South Wales schools and also if it is going to be rolled out, whether weighing will be involved at all or whether they'll just, you know, bring in these physical activity innovations. Yeah, so we really need to wait and see, don't we? It's a bit of a wait and see as to what's going to happen in the schools. Yeah, but what can we do? Like if we know that something's going to happen and it's going to come to our kids' school, what can we do to empower ourselves? Well, I think as a parent, you'd really be wanting to either say to the school, yeah, I don't want my child weighed because it's about physical activity. It's not about what my child is weighing. But also I think the school's got a responsibility to actually hold maybe an information evening to really go into what the study is and even some of the study design and Mm. really what might be expected. Because as we can see, you know, some of the information we've been given, if we hadn't dug deeper, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have seen any of the bullshit that was going on. I know. Well, I mean, I still think, I mean, this might be just my cynical mind, but they spent a shitload of money on just these five schools. And I can't imagine. Remember, it's 10 schools. 10 schools, but yeah, the control. Yeah, Yeah. I can't imagine the New South Wales government allocating that much funding, even if they just stuck to, you know, just disadvantaged schools to roll it out. And my God, I would love if they got that kind of funding to actually do something about the social disadvantage rather than trying to stop the disadvantaged kids from getting fat. Mm. You know, we could do so much with that money that would actually increase, help the quality of life of kids in disadvantaged areas that has bugger all to do with this. We've got much bigger things to think about. Yeah, we do. And we just really want to, we just want our kids to be healthy, don't we? And in whatever way we can do it. Mm. And especially those in the lower socioeconomic areas that may not have as much privilege Mm. as some of us. 
And, yeah, the money could well be used in different ways. I don't know what ways they are exactly, but Mm. certainly this is a great concept, you know, increasing kids' activity levels and making sure that they don't lose that activity Mm. as they get older. But we want it to be fun. We just want to maintain some fun and joy around it. Yeah, I guess the position is like we'd prefer to see this funding go into actually addressing disadvantage (laughs) and if physical activity programs for kids is going to happen in schools they're really missing the point with like this prescriptive approach and weight focused approach and weight focused oh my god yeah oh so much (laughs) to talk about Louise oh thank you this has been a really I'm so glad that you dug down into that data and um, Oh, we both did, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of an interesting yeah. dive. Like, oh, gosh, it's so disconcerting, I guess, that every time you dive into one of these studies, you find like the picture's so different to the conclusion and the gaslighting is so evident when you look at it from a non-diet lens. Oh, it is. It is. But we just have to keep up, keep it up. We have to keep yeah, it up. Oh, yeah. What we should mention is the American Pediatrics recommendations because oh, you were talking about those. I was. And I did get the guidelines off the internet again. And it's a clinical report in preventing mm. obesity and eating disorders in adolescents. Oh, God. And, and I actually was under the impression that weight isn't mentioned at all. But I did look into this report and it does have a one section that says about weight, but it's like point number six out of six points. All the rest are about encouraging kids not to diet, not talking about weight, promoting positive body image, encouraging families not to talk about weight, you know, encouraging families to eat together. But there was one point that says carefully monitor weight loss in an adolescent who needs to lose weight to ensure <laughs> the adolescent does not develop the medical complications of semi-starvation. So that was like a last point. So I thought that actually had been taken out, but this is for paediatricians. So yeah. hopefully like their general doctors sort of look at all those other things first rather than... Yeah, it's um, an encouraging move, isn't it? Like Absolutely. Uh, to start hearing from medical professionals who are specialising in kids, like we really need to stop this focus on weight. Whereas our AMA, totally uh, story, and we, we probably won't even go there. No. <laughs> because they yeah. want to make, you know, obesity a chronic disease. So yeah, yeah I think. About our medical association. That needs a whole other podcast, I reckon. Yes. But, it, yeah, even though, like, the American Pediatric Association are moving away from weight focus, have you noticed that, like, of course, they still can't quite let go? No. It's, no. like. It's damaging. It's damaging to focus on weight. It's damaging to focus on weight. Don't focus on weight. Oh, but if someone's really fat, make sure they lose weight. Yeah, where they're not at nutritional deficiency risk. Uh, Yeah, there's still a way to go with them. But, I mean, what came out very clearly from those American pediatric guidelines is we really need to stop focusing on weight. And it's pretty clear that the people who authored this study on the physical activity for everyone Seriously, they haven't, got, they haven't got the message yet. Missed the memo on. No, they're Australian. So, you know, our AMA uh-huh. does focus on weight. So they're obviously going to go by, you know, what's happening in our country rather mm-hmm. than something that's yeah. a little bit more progressive. 
Well, you know, I'm now envisaging a whole set of parent information nights on physical activity for everyone with people standing up and challenging, you know, if necessary, the use of any kind of weight focus alongside this program if it's happening and some real pushback on just how effective this really will be and the the unanswered questions. Like I would say if this is going to roll out to schools, we need to really ask questions about the impact on kids' relationships with physical activity from doing this study. And we didn't even talk about whether or not they tracked eating disorder symptoms or body image satisfaction. We haven't talked about that at all, really, have we? No, that's no. Another, another podcast as well. Yeah, it is another podcast, but that's my concern for these kids yeah. too, that, that yeah. totally missing from any of this data was yeah. any kind of thought of potential harm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But we know when we take weight, there's always going to be that risk of potential harm. Yeah. But yeah, the thin at all cost thing that happens with diet culture, it really erases all of the suffering that's going on. Yeah. And it's really deep. Yeah. So parents stand up and say, hell no, and we can change this because this is a very shaky kind of basis on which to potentially do harm to kids. Exactly. And there's lots of very safe ways to encourage a wonderful relationship with moving your body that has nothing to do with tracking it or pedometers or weighing. Right, exactly. That's been great conversation, Louise. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate all of your digging and investigation. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Alison, and what a wonderful conversation. And I hope that that's cleared up a few things for people and also given us all a few ideas on what to do if our schools suddenly start introducing weight-focused programs in our education system, which is absolutely the last thing we need to do. Wouldn't the world be wonderful if Hayes interventions got hold in a big way in our schools? What a beautiful fantasy. So that's it for another week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to everybody out there from the bottom of my heart for all of your wonderful feedback and kindness. And I'm really enjoying doing this podcast still. It's just phenomenal hearing from so many of you and knowing that so many people are spreading this message, believing in this message and really using it to do inspiring things and change the world. So if you're loving the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes and give us a nice rating and review so that we keep getting the message out there and more and more people subscribe to the podcast and this message is heard even more. And don't you forget to subscribe if you haven't already, just so you don't miss episodes as they come out. If you love getting fired up on a regular basis, consider signing up for the mailing list that I do. So every week I'm sending emails out to people and I'm finding that I'm ranting on various different topics because there seems to be just, I don't know, my rantometer has really amped up since I started doing the podcast and I I do find myself ranting at will now. So if you're interested in hearing my rants, then get on the mailing list. And the way to do that is to just go to the website, which is untrapped.com.au and download the free ebook, which is called Why Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss is Bullshit by me and Fiona Willer. Not only is it a great read and a fantastic resource for friends and family and clients and colleagues and anyone who lives in diet culture, but you know it's the gateway for the mailing list that I'm doing so that we can connect on a regular basis and you can hear more about my perspective and about the anti-diet approach and more about kind of what's going on in the world when it comes to all of this. 
Don't forget too that the All Fired Up podcast wouldn't exist without our Untrapped program, which is our online program for people who are struggling with diet culture and who are finding freedom every single day, thanks to the incredible guidance of the 12 health professionals who are involved in Untrapped. So if you're struggling or if someone you know is struggling and you want some help, then don't forget to go to the program and sign up and join our community. Okay, so that's it for another week on All Fight Up. I can't wait to come back next week with even more diet trash for you guys. So I'll be talking to you in about a week. In the meantime, trust no one, think critically, push back against diet culture, untrap from the crap.